Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back, everybody, to the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I am Hayden Grove here, as always, with Chris Fedor. And Chris, I want to ask you right off the bat, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Um, are you getting through this thing okay? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling healthy. I've been able to go for some runs uh, throughout uh, the course of this shutdown. So that's been good, trying to stay active as much as I possibly can. Because when I'm on the road, Hayden, I am used to walking everywhere. Like, right. I'll walk to the arena and back. I'll walk to the arena and back for shoot-around and games. Um, and I'll just kind of walk around cities because that's how I get a feel for these cities. Um, it's very rare that I will take an Uber or a cab or go anywhere. So I'm so used to walking and, and staying busy and having that kind of exercise, even in the gyms inside the hotel room that I need to do something to be active and stay engaged that sort of way because my body's so used to that. And and when I don't do that, like I'm a different person, I feel like. So I've been able to stay active, play some basketball in my driveway a little bit, go for yeah, walks. Yeah, I was about to say, your wife posted a picture of you shooting some hoops. <laughs> what do you think get, that get, get, get me form? Hey, he's got, he's got a good, I've seen your J before. Yeah, <laughs> not too bad. It's respectable, probably better than mine. I sent it to somebody um, in the Cavs organization, no names, please. And, and we joke all the time on text, this person yeah. sent it to. And he said, better than LaMelo Ball's form. So Ooh. that was pretty funny. <laughs> well, that's a per- what is Chris, that is a perfect segue to what we want to get into today, which is, so we are continuing on this series of top five lists. We thought this would be a fun way to kind of get through this you know uncertain time is to do these lists of different things calves wise general interest wise sports wise and today we are going to do the top five uh nba draft prospects for the cleveland cavaliers so the top five players the cavaliers should be considering uh when potentially drafting now the, the tricky thing with this is is that and this is something i wanted to ask you are we doing this as if the calves are the number two pick because that's where they are are we doing it based on just where, the, you know, what is the best scenario for them, regardless of where they're picking? I think we should do this based on if they get the number one pick, because that number would one be- pick. OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. like that. Perfect. That's exactly why I asked. So that's a perfect way to do it. All right. So we'll start like this. Number five uh, best overall pick for the Cavaliers is. For so you, I kind of went back and forth on this one, Hayden. I had three different guys that I was considering. Uh, one of them was Obi Toppin from Dayton. Everybody knows about him. He was probably 
the best college basketball player this year. It's unfortunate that Dayton didn't get to finish this run that it was on. They had a legitimate chance of cutting down the nets. So I think everybody knows about Toppin at this point in time. Yep. And I was considering putting him number five, but he's 22 years old. And I feel like his upside isn't to the level that the Cavs need at this point. We've talked about this a number of different times on the podcast, Hayden. I feel like they need a centerpiece of this rebuild, somebody who could be a potential star. You know, ESPN did these rankings of the future of these organizations in the NBA, and um, they did it over the next three years. And they were trying to figure out, like, who's best set up for the future when it takes into account the next three years. And it's based on roster. It's based on coach. It's based on executives. It's based on how much money they have to spend, both in free agency and trades and things along those lines. Um, and the Cavs were 30th. And I think a big part of that, Peyton, is they don't have that centerpiece. They don't have the Kyrie Irving the first time they tried to rebuild in a post-LeBron era. So I think the Cavs, whether they get the first pick or they get the fifth pick, I think they have to try and swing for the fences. This draft is a crapshoot to begin with. Um, if you talk to six different people, they'd probably give you six different names of guys who should go number one overall. So yep. in this kind of draft, I'm OK with them trying to swing for the fences and go for as much upside as possible. And to me, Toppin doesn't have that because he's already 22 years old and he's further along in his developmental curve than some of these other guys. So I did not include him as much as I wanted to, because I think he might be like the safest pick of the top six guys. Um Isaac Okoro of Auburn, he's a two slash three. Um, I considered him as well because he can score efficiently, even though he doesn't really have a shot right now. And he's got the controllables. He's a good kid and he's a great defender. And you feel like you can just plug him in and kind of know what you're going to get. But again, like I'm worried about his shot and I'm worried about whether he can be a three and D type if he doesn't have the three component of that. So I excluded him as well. And then my tiebreaker was Big O from USC. I don't know how to pronounce his name. I think it's Anyeka Akungwu. Uh, yeah, that sounds with, about right. He played with LaMelo Ball in high school. He's 19 years old. Um, I was talking to an executive uh, last week that said they saw some Bam Adebayo similarities okay. in terms of rim protection, in terms of rim running, in terms of activity. He's probably not as advanced from a playmaking and ball handling standpoint. And as of right now, he's not really that stretch big, but he shot over 70% from the free throw line, which gives some people some belief that maybe the stroke is going to be good enough that he can stretch his game out to the perimeter. So I think he's got a good chance, Hayden, to be like a modern day big um, with versatility, being able to switch onto smaller guys, drift out to the perimeter eventually, and still make an immediate impact in terms of a rim runner, uh, lob threat, shot protector, um, and maybe even a defensive anchor. Uh, so to me, I would put him fifth. I think the upside um, is really, really, really there for him to turn into a, a two-way big. All right, so you went with Anyeka Akangwu from USC. He is a freshman, uh, 19, 19 years old, Chris. Pretty yep. crazy. These yep. kids are so – I mean, like, I'm calling him a kid. I'm 27. But still, <laughs> they are pretty young. Like, it's pretty crazy to think about. But um, So I, I think there are two ways to think about this. I think one way to think about this is – 
via position. You know, what would be are the what position are the Cavs looking for? What I think position that's fair. Would, would fit them best? You know, and I think there's the talent. You know, which guy is the most talented? Which if you have the number one overall pick, you know, which talented guy are you going to take? And I'm kind of torn. I'm still I still didn't really find a way to. Um, so I'm going to I guess I'm going to kind of combine them into one. So you left out Obi Toppin. I'm going to put Obi Toppin at number five. All right. Um, I think, again, I know that the age is a little is uh, is a little up there at 22. But, um, you know, that just brings maturity. And maybe he's more ready for than some of these other guys will be. Maybe instead of, you know, having this you, you mentioned the centerpiece of the rebuild. Um, you know, maybe you want that guy to be more ready than a guy that you have to develop and a guy you have to wait on. So I like uh, I like Obi Toppin. Obviously, he was the name of the player of the year, as was the coach of Dayton, by the way. Pretty, pretty incredible year for the Dayton basketball program, although uh, they really didn't get anything out of it. They didn't get a chance to dance, which is one of the more unfortunate things about the NCAA tournament not having taken place this year. So I want Obi Toppin uh, at number five, six, nine, two, twenty can kind of swing as a as a forward maybe a small forward, maybe a power forward, not too much of a, in the way of a center, but I, I love his game. Um, so I went Obi top and number five. What about so, number four for you? Hold on. Before we get to four, you brought something up with Obi that, that I think we have to dig into here. And it's, yeah. it's his position because I think a lot of people around the NBA Hayden are trying to figure out who he is. Yeah. I don't think he's a three. I don't think he yeah. can be a three. I don't think no. he can guard threes. And I don't think he has, the outside perimeter game to play the three on the offensive end. Um, so I see him as a four, but maybe a five. He plays small ball five at Dayton in their spread system. Yeah. And yeah. he's a screener and he's a diver and he can do some pick and pop type stuff. And I just feel like from a positional standpoint, the Cavs are pretty good there, especially in the short term. Like if we're talking about long-term upside, that's a different conversation. But right. if we're talking about immediate impact and short term, like that's a spot where they're good. They've got Andre Drummond. Kevin Love can play some five. Larry Nance Jr. can play some five. And it's funny, Hayden, because I was talking to somebody in the NBA about Obi the other day, and I asked for a comparison. And he said there's Larry Nance Jr. to his game. And I was okay. like, well, that's interesting. And I like Larry. And I think Larry is a really good player. And I think um, – if the Cavs get into a point where they're competing for playoffs, like this is a kind of guy that is going to be in the rotation. But at the same time, like, is that what you want with a top five pick? Like is Larry Nance Jr. enough if you're talking about a top five pick in this year's draft? So that's why I keep hesitating on somebody like Obi. I think he's a rotational player. Um, I think he can come and help you right away. It's just like, Will he ever be that all-star type? I don't see that with him. I think very good offensive player, going to struggle on defense, probably a sixth or seventh man, like in a playoff rotation. That's how I view him. So for me, that that's hard to justify in a top five. Yeah, and I, I get that. But there's a reason I put him at five. You know, I don't think he's a top sure. two guy the Cavaliers should consider. I just think that, you know, watching him this year and his game is like, you know, as you mentioned, all those guys, you know, he, he just – he seems to have that kind of maturity to him and, and that might just be the age, but he also, you know, I, I could see where you see the struggles on defensive end. He is undersized if he wants to be a small, you know, small four, small five uh, in a small ball system. But again, that's why I put, I just, I think that out of, 
he's one of the more polished guys. So that's why I put him at number five. I'm not saying the Cavaliers would be in a position where I think they do take him. Yeah. Um, because unless he unless he is, a, you know, he's available and the Cavs have the fifth pick and then you just go best player available in my mind. Um, you can never have, you know, as Tito Francona or somebody says, you can never have too much talent. Yes. So um, I, I would go Obi Toppin with number five, but there's okay. a reason he's not top four or top three. So you're number four. My number four, and I just learned how to pronounce his name. I oh asked um, ESPN analyst Fran Frischilla how to pronounce his name nice. because he's been watching him for the last three or four years. It was actually the first question that I asked Fran when I talked to him last week. Um, and he said it to me this way. It is Denny Avdia. You do not pronounce the J. Okay. That's what I've learned, Hayden. So okay. I would put Denny as number four. Um, part of it has to do with his talent and his upside. And I would be lying to you if I said part of it um, didn't have to do with the fact that the Cavs, that's their biggest position of weakness, yes. is a wing, somebody to play the three spot. Yeah, so for that reason, I, ha- I have him a little higher than you, just because of his position and where he would fit in with the Cavaliers. I think, you know, if you if he ended up being a, um, if he ended up being a really, really good player and fitting in right away, I think mm-hmm. that could help this rebuild, like, fast forward tremendously. So I have him a little higher. Um, my number four, and you, LaMelo Ball, to me, like, I, he's my number four because I just think he's he's such an enigma. Like, are you going to get are you going to get the are you going to get the whole baller, big baller brand, uh, you know, stuff that comes with him? Are you going to get yeah. the true talent? Are you going to get the um the immaturity. I mean, what are you going right. to get with LaMelo right. Ball? So like, and also he plays, a, he, you know, I know he's six, eight, but he plays the point guard position where the Cavaliers are pretty. I mean, in terms of guys that you want to have for a rebuild, you already have Colin Sexton who might not be a point guard, but he's a guard. You have um, Darius Garland. Are you really going to draft another guard? Right. Um, and are you going to draft a point guard when you drafted a guy last year uh, in Darius Garland? So, I mean, LaMelo Ball is interesting to me. Um, and that's why I have him at number four. Okay. You're number three. My number three is James Wiseman. Um, okay. There's a lot of mystery surrounding him, obviously. And as I talked about, the big is is a spot where the Cavs are invested, where they're deep, where they're talented. Um, because of that, I think they can give this kid some room to grow and they can develop him with their player development and J.B. Bickerstaff and all the other coaches on this staff who are going to be dedicated to overseeing his development. And and I think that's a good thing. Um, I think the last thing that the Cavs want to do with this draft pick, honestly, Hayden, is put a whole bunch of pressure on this guy um, because I think it's going to be hard for anybody in this class to live up to it right away with the exception of maybe Toppin, who's more physically ready and maybe more mentally ready than some of these other guys. But somebody like James Wiseman, he played three games at the college level. Um, The toughest competition that he played against was Oregon. And I don't mean like, look, it's Oregon top 15 team at the time that they played, but we're not talking about college basketball powerhouse this past year. Um, So there's there's just so much mystery around him and so many questions about his readiness and um and just i guess maturity just from the fact of there are people that feel like he quit on his teammates 
um, by not playing out his suspension and then rejoining them at Memphis. But of course, there were circumstances surrounding that. Um, so there are some things that that a lot of teams, including the Cavs, are going to have to figure out about Wiseman. And I think one of the components that they're going to have to figure out, Hayden, is like, what is he offensively? I, I did the I did the watch of James Wiseman um, over the weekend and this morning. And it was easier than some of these other guys because he only played 69 minutes in college. So you didn't have as much tape to go through. But uh, he made 26 shots in the three games playing for Memphis, right? Yep. Three of them, three of them were something, uh, were something other than a dunk, layup, or putback on an wow. offensive rebound. So it just makes you wonder, okay, like how much uh, development is he going to need on the offensive end to become a high-level offensive prospect? And can his shooting form and can his style work in today's NBA? Like immediately, he can probably be a rim protector, a rim runner, somebody who can catch lobs. He can be dangerous in terms of the pick and roll as diving to the basket. Like there's value to that in the NBA. But the question is, how much value? And if he doesn't get more of a reliable outside shot or some semblance of a perimeter game or some semblance of a go-to move offensively, like how much value is there? And is that value that you're going to get back worth what could be a very, very high pick? So that's why, to me, even though there's a lot of intrigue, there's a lot of upside, um, you know, he was the number one recruit coming into college. He was the high school player of the year, and he's got all these accolades. Like, I just have too many questions about him and too many red flags in his game and off the court to put him higher than where he is right now. Yeah, he's my number three, too. And for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned, we, he's a mystery. We Again, kind of like Lamella Ball, we don't know. You know, I, I think that the... the thing about him as you mentioned is the lack of games the lack of experience the lack of you know the lack of just pure ability like you said he made 26 shots like that's that's not a lot of tape to watch there's only you know a couple games so and but but here's the thing that I do like about this situation in Cleveland for him you know if Andre Drummond does re-up and he does come to Cleveland uh he does you know exercise that option um what better guy to learn from then another fellow big man who's about a seven footer and, um, and their games may be a little different, but I think that, you know, Andre Drummond had to learn how to play in the NBA. And I think he'd be a good kind of person for Wiseman to learn from. I mean, I'm, I'm not so sure. I don't know what kind of kid Wiseman is. Again, I don't have the luxury of being around him right. and kind of getting to know that. And I think you, you know, you would probably know more about that talking to the scouts, but um, I mean, if he was willing to learn from a guy like Andre Drummond and, and the Cavs were in a good position to where he was there and there wasn't anybody else available that they really loved, uh, I think it wouldn't be a bad situation for him. So we have the same uh, number three with Mr. And Wiseman. here's a question that I have. Yeah. Let's say that he becomes an elite-level rim protector. Right. Because the mo- uh, like most scouts that you talk to are excited about his potential on defense, right. not so much on offense. They think he's got a much longer way to go um, to be an impact offensive player beyond right. the things that I already talked about. But defensively, the quickness is there, the nimble feet, the athleticism, the length, the wingspan, like all those different things 
make you believe that maybe he can be somebody who can anchor your defense as an elite rim protector. So if he becomes Miles Turner, right, or if he yeah. becomes Clint Capella, uh, like, what is the value of that? You know right. what I mean? Yeah. And, like, those guys didn't go top five. Right. And and I know every draft is said its own, nobody, and, and yeah. sometimes you just have to right. take a guy top five because he's right. one of the best in the class. But right. what's the value in terms of building a franchise and, like, one that's going to compete for the playoffs – Right. If you're centering it around that guy or if that guy's a key piece of the entire um, picture. I, d- I don't know. I don't, right. In this day and age, it's really hard to gauge that. But, Chris, the problem with all of this is that, you know, you can't pick the dra- – like you said, you can't pick the draft class. Right. The draft class is completely – you know, it's it's one of – I mean, you may disagree, but I think it's one of the least heralded and not as, you know, exciting drafts in a long time. And yeah. maybe since, like, Anthony Bennett. Yes, it's been compared to 2013 by a lot of different people. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's one thing to think about. All right. Number two, as we move along here. Number two, Anthony Edwards, because if you notice, mine is kind of following just a talent realm. I think you can look at position, and I think that matters when you're talking about team building and fit matters. Um, I just think the Cavs are so early on in this that it's about trying to assemble as much talent as possible. As I said, ESPN has them 30th in terms of big picture over the next three years. And I think it's because there's a lack of premier talent on the roster. And if you have an opportunity to get um, a premier talent, even if it's at a position where you feel you're invested and you're relatively strong, I just don't think you pass up on that. I I, I wrote about this over the weekend, Hayden. Mm -hmm. Back in 2012, there was one member of the Cavs front office who loved Damian Lillard, loved him, wanted to use the fourth overall pick on him. But the Cavs one year earlier drafted Kyrie Irving with the first overall pick. And they were like, "Eh, I don't know about the optics of drafting back-to-back point guards. Uh, I don't know about how Kyrie and Damian Lillard are going to fit together. So they didn't draft Damian Lillard and they drafted Deion Waiters. And then the year after that, after taking Kyrie and Dion, there was somebody in the organization that really liked Victor Oladipo. Oladipo went second. Anthony Bennett went first. The reason they didn't take Oladipo is because they had Kyrie and Dion and they thought they were too loaded in the backcourt and they were worried about fit and chemistry and things like that. And again, you have to worry about those things, no doubt about it. But at this stage of the rebuild, I don't think that can be the driving force of a decision. So even though he's a guard, even though he's a scoring guard, I'll take Anthony Edwards from Georgia because he's 18 years old and he's got a physical profile that makes you think he's got potential to be an all-star if it all comes together. And that's obviously a big if. Yeah, no, I totally get where you're coming from. And that's, you know, one of the big things here. And that's why my number two is Denny is because Denny of Dia, as you say, Fran Frischel says, Denny of Dia. Um, I, I just love the fit. You know, if he could, like I said, if he get, like I said earlier, if he could end up being a, a guy who could, you know, really be a star player for the, I mean, if he could be, you know, just come in and play right away and be great right away. I mean, that would really, really help this rebuild to just push in the right direction. So that said, um, I totally understand what you're saying with Anthony Edwards and, um, and I totally understand the whole, like, you can't have too much talent, but with Denny, I think, He's if he's a good enough player and they really if they really love him and he's yeah. there, 
and he fits the position I need, I don't think you, I think you got to take him. Yeah. See, I agree with you if they're on the same tier. Right. You know what I mean? And yeah. I just don't think Avdia think is on the same tier. I think he's a tier below those other guys. Okay. If he That's was on fair. that same tier, he would be perfect for the Cavs yep. because they have a glaring hole at the three, both in the short term and in the long term. Yeah. I just don't think he's as talented as the other guys. All right. The moment of truth. Yeah. Drum roll, please. But number one. So this is just right now, and I want to let people know that. It's it's only April, and I've got a lot of time to change my mind and kind of pour through this again. Yes. But I'm going LaMelo Ball. Like, All he's right. unique. He's unique. How many six foot seven point guards are there? And he has the ability to guard one through three. He has the ability to play on, off the ball. And I think the other thing, Hayden, is even though he plays the same position as Darius Garland, the guy that the Cavs drafted with fifth overall pick last year, he's not the same player as Darius Garland. So, yes, you're adding the same position, but you're not adding the same guy. You're bringing new skills to the table with ball because of his size, because of his versatility, and because of his passing. Now, his shot is a huge, huge concern. Right. I had somebody explain it to me as broken, like yeah. broken, as in it might not be fixed, like worse than his brother Lonzo's shot. And it's taken him how many years to actually get it to a respectable level? So that's a legitimate concern. But as much as I'm concerned about that, I can't overlook the other things that he would bring to the table, including. The number one thing I think that they need more than anything else on this roster, and that is somebody who can pass the ball and keep guys consistently involved for 48 minutes. The best passer on this team, Hayden, is Matthew Della Vadova. And yeah. who knows what his future is going to be? He's a free agent, and he struggled so much with his outside shot that bringing him back is something um, that that I don't know that the Cavs are fully interested in. Um and then beyond that, you're talking about Kevin Love and Larry Nance Jr. probably. Uh, even though Darius Garland started to show strides in that particular area, um, it's not enough for me to say, okay, Darius is so good. He's got so much talent. He's got so much upside. We're going to pass on the mellow ball, who at this point, Hayden, I think is the top prospect in the draft. Wow. That's, I mean, so let me ask you this because obviously LaMelo Ball comes with, yes. I mean, I don't, we don't know. I mean, we don't know. I, I, again, that's why I had him before that. I don't know what he's going to come with. Is he going to come with the immaturity? Is he going to come with his dad? Is he going to come with all the, the hoopla and the um, extracurriculars? I mean, what, what have you heard um, about the, you know, about LaMelo Ball and the family and, and how he would come into Cleveland if he were drafted high there? That is always a concern. There yes. is no doubt about it. Um, and I was talking about this topic with somebody over the weekend and, and they made me feel better about it, Hayden, because there are some around the NBA that believe a part of the reason why LaMelo went to Australia was to get away from his dad. Oh, boy. OK, so um, I don't know if that's true. That's just what I was told by people that would know better than me. He's a smart kid. He's not involved in any BS. He's trying to buy the team that he played for in Australia to help them out. Yeah, so that kind of shows where his mind is already advanced. Um, 
so of course, anytime you talk about anybody with a ball family, you have to talk about um, the ancillary factors. And you're not just drafting um, him the player, you're drafting him the person. And him the person is going to come with a bunch of hoopla, and him the person is going to come with his dad and all the distractions um, that that will bring. But there's so much to like about him, both on and off the court. Um, if you can get past the shooting problem, and it is a problem, I think you'll see a guy who can uh, make a difference for the Cavs both in the short term and long term and bring uh, traits that, that aren't currently on this roster at that particular position. Maybe maybe it's just a little biased. From, I, I watched him. I, I had to cover uh, wide Spire. Yeah, I covered Spire yeah. for a game and. Uh, watched him play against, was it St. or no, St. V. It was St. V. It was St. Okay. V. That's exactly right. what it was. And I mean, they smashed St. V, St. V, but LaMelo just looked like very, I don't know. Maybe it's just the way that they, they, maybe it's just the ball family and the way that they are, but he just looked very nonchalant, non-engaged. Like, yep. and again, that's him in high school. I get that. He's kind of, you know, he can, could have matured since then. Um, but obviously the shot was not there and mm-hmm. yeah, he's got some bounce to him. He's pretty athletic, um, but he didn't make a ton of plays. I know, I think wasn't rocket Watts from uh, Michigan yes. state. Wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Rocket Watts scored like 40 that game and looked incredible. So I don't know if it's just a recency bias or what, but I mean, I'm not saying that LaMelo ball isn't a guy that I would consider with the Cavaliers. I just, it, I, it's hard for me to like get over all of the, the hoopla and the stuff that could come with it. Uh, and in addition to what I've seen of him, you know, yeah. in person. No, Hayden, that's a fair point. And, and some people have brought that up when it comes to LaMelo. They're like, wait a minute. A couple of years ago, he was like the third or fourth best player on his high school team. Something right. like that. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden you're talking about him possibly being the first overall pick in the NBA draft. So I understand that criticism and I understand that concern. It's just... That size, that vision, that passing, that feel for the game, that basketball IQ at that position is not easy to find. No, I all right. I hear you. Definitely. I mean, he's definitely got a, a unique pedigree and he's got a unique game. And if he, again, if things go right for him, I think I think this guy could be the limit. But, you know, it's just a matter of whether they turn in his direction. My number one is uh, Mr. Edwards. Uh, okay. Again, I think it's just the, the, the scoring, the talent. Um, I know that the Cavaliers, like you said, they just need that guy. And I know there are concerns about Anthony Edwards. I'm, I know he's not perfect by any stretch, but um, I understand that, you know, he seems to be the guy that has shows that really special quality. But um, it's interesting. I thought I, I honestly thought you might leave LaMelo ball out. And I was like, oh. <laughs> then, then you went then you went number one. I was like, all right. Curveball. You. That, you know what? That would certainly bring interest and that would certainly bring um you know, attention to the Cavaliers in one way or another. I mean, be it negative attention, be a positive attention. That would certainly kind of uh, get the, uh, get the eyes on the Cleveland Cavaliers for a little bit, at least. I mean, there's no doubt about that. They yeah. would definitely be on ESPN more. They would definitely be on TNT. They would have some kind of draw. Now, not all publicity is good publicity. <laughs> Correct. And you would rather it be because, you know, they have this great, intriguing talent like Ja Morant or Zion Williamson. And, and maybe one of these guys turns into that caliber player that moves the needle because of that. 
for now, I think you can just kind of take what you get at this point in time with the Cavs, who got no attention whatsoever. And that's not why I'd want them to pick him, but that's, of course, a byproduct of picking him. Ticket sales might go up, you know, jersey sales might go up, and national interest might go up. That's absolutely true. That would be the ball. The ball circus would be pretty crazy. That would <laughs> that would be that would be pretty crazy. I mean, you know, the, I remember at the Spire game. I mean, obviously his dad was the huge. I mean, he was the huge draw. It was not about Lavar Ball was the draw. It wasn't about Lamelo. It wasn't about the kids. I mean, everybody just wanted to see Lavar. That was it. So. Yeah. I don't know if he'd stay away or he'd come. I have no idea, but it would be interesting. And, and full disclosure, just so everybody understands, I was a Lonzo fan when he came out in the draft. So these yeah. kinds of guys are guys that I like. And I remember watching the Pelicans-Cavs game, and Lonzo dominated that game. And he ran the offense, even though he had only taken like a couple of shots or something like that. And I feel like LaMelo... Even though he's got to work on a shot and even though he doesn't defend anybody at this point in time and there are legitimate questions about his care on the defensive end, um, he's the kind of guy who can uh, make an impact every time he's on the floor and he doesn't have to dominate the scoring in order to do that. All right. So your top five from what I gather. I think I wrote it down. I did write it down. Okay, Big O. Big O's five. Yeah. Denny Abdiya. Denny, Denny Abdiya. Denny Abdiya. Number four. James Wiseman, number three. Yep. Anthony Edwards, number two. And LaMelo Ball, number one. Yes. All right. Mine would be Obi Toppin, number five. Uh, LaMelo Ball, number four. James Wiseman, number three. Uh, Denny Abdiya, Abdiya, number two. <laughs> and <laughs> Anthony Edwards, number one. I didn't have as much practice as you did. I've been running down the streets of Bay yeah. Village just practicing it all afternoon so that yeah, I can get it right. Your, shooting your jumper. Obvia, obvia, obvia. I love it. All right. So that was our top five in terms of draft prospects for the Cavaliers, people that are dra- prospects the Cavaliers should draft. And now we switch over into a little bit of general interest. A little bit of general interest. So we are going to do Drumroll, please. You're going to do the top five binge-worthy TV shows. Now, Chris, I have a question for you off, right off the rip, and it involves, like, how we're going to do this. Yeah. So is this is this recent shows, or is this just any show to binge-watch during isolation? Yeah, man, I think it can be any show to watch okay. during isolation. If you want to make it more recent, okay. sure, you can. But mine's not really recent. Mine's just, okay. like, binge-worthy shows. Okay. I got it. So, and then last question, I promise we can start on this thing. Is this, is this, this is, is there bias based on network? Like if it's HBO or is it allowed? Like if it's Showtime, I mean, or does it have to kind of be Netflix, Hulu, ready to roll? No, I think it can be anything. Okay. Some people have HBO Go. Some people have Hulu. Some people have Netflix. Some people have Amazon Prime. All right. I mean, Perfect. I think two of my shows, yeah, two of my shows aren't even on Netflix. Yeah, I'm sure. Like, yeah, that's what I was thinking. All right. So I'm, I will start with my number five. Okay. My, my number five is an HBO show. It's called Veep with Julie Louis-Dreyfus. It is incredibly funny. 
Um, she, the, basically the whole plot is that Julia Louis-Dreyfus starts off as the vice president and winds her way up and gets her way down. And it's just a hilarious parody on the government and the system in Washington. Um, obviously, I love uh, Julius from Seinfeld. So uh, I was watching with high expectations and it hit every expectation. Um, I, I just I went through it so quickly. So uh, Veep would be my number five. Great, great show. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody else. like uh, there's a character. Hugh Laurie he, plays a character um, that the dude from House. Yes. Yes. OK. I'm trying to think of big name. I mean, there are a lot of guest stars, but not so many big names. Yeah. Uh, but it's a wonderful, wonderful show. I love it. Oh, so, Veep. Dude, Rotten Tomatoes gives that 93%. Yeah. That's really it's, good. It's amazing. It's amazing. IMDb gives that baby 8.3 stars. Yeah, see? Wow. It's, it's very, very well done. It's like, and, and I think, honestly, I don't I don't mean to bring politics into this. And I am yeah, outside, by the way. I've been, I've been recording this podcast outside of my apartment because it yes, was Yes, everybody day. can hear that, by the way. Yeah. I know. That's why I'm trying to. Okay. Anyway. Um, so like, I don't want to bring politics too much into this because I don't want to isolate. Yeah, any don't, don't, people don't. Out there. But, Every time I tweet about that, I lose followers. Don't. Right. But I have, but I have to say that like some of the situations in Veep are remarkably similar to the situations we're seeing us play out in yes. the United States during these days. That's all I will say. So <laughs> this, this has been out for a couple of years, huh? Yes, yes. Okay. I, I never the, even heard of it. I think the last was in 2017. Okay. So, yeah, definitely go check it out. All right. Uh, so my number five, Hayden, was going to be King of Queens. Okay. Because that was one of my shows growing up. But I'm now watching that every now and then at night when I'm kind of doing some work and I need to escape and my wife is sleeping. Um, I have found a giant hole in the entire series. Oh no! What is it? Have you seen? <laughs> have you seen the show? Yes, I have seen it. Absolutely. It doesn't carry over from episode to episode. Have you noticed that? Honestly, no. Okay, because when, like because when I watch it, it's usually just like on T TNT or TVS or whatever, right? And it's like random in the middle of some season that I have no idea about. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's not like Friends or blue bloods where okay you finish one episode you go into the next and it kind of carries over some of the storylines from the previous one and you can um, attach yourself to some of the characters and some of the stories because of that with king of queens when the one episode ends it just ends and then the new one starts and it's a whole different angle that they attack and it's like there is no progression of the show right that's... There's there's really no progression of the characters either. So there's a giant hole in it if you're talking about a series. That's yeah, I, I honestly like I can't lie. I've only seen the show like from, you know, random episodes here and there. Like I haven't watched seasons of it. But yeah, I mean, that makes I mean, that makes sense. It's, it's that's not unlike other shows that I've seen. This is true. This is like true. Other comedy shows. But I was so watching it the other night and at the end of one episode. They sued their neighbor because their neighbor put in a pool and a slide and it was an invasion of privacy because the pool sat higher than the fence or whatever. 
And <laughs> okay. at, at the very end of the episode, they um, won the suit, but but you didn't know anything after that. And you didn't yeah. know of that neighbor for the rest of like the series at all. There was no interaction with that neighbor except for that one episode. And I thought that was weird. So because that's not number five and it missed the cut, I went with Love is Blind, which is that okay. show on Netflix that just got picked up for two uh, two more seasons, actually, with Nick Lachey and Vanessa. Yep. And we've talked about that on the podcast, yes, so I don't have. think we have to get into that anymore. But it's it's so ridiculous that it's entertaining. All right. Speaking of so ridiculous that it's entertaining, my number four is none other than Tiger King. I ripped oh, through God. that. Come I ripped on. through that. I ripped through that baby in one day. It was like <laughs> the most. I literally went episode, 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 episode. Like I could not stop it. It was so like hilariously bad and dumb and stupid and amazing all at the same time. Like it, it was just fascinating to me because like we don't. I don't know. At least maybe this is just from my point of view. I never knew about like all this exotic animal stuff. Like yeah, you hear about like the exotic animal trade, but I never knew there was a random, random zoo in the middle of Oklahoma that some guy like <laughs> had his like meth dealing husbands. I mean, the thing is so ridiculous that it was immensely entertaining. And it, apparently there's a new se- a new episode coming out. So oh I, I was, I'm, I'm usually not the guy. I'm usually the guy that will not watch a show because everybody else is watching it. But I just like a couple people that I trust with this stuff were like, just watch the first one and you'll be hooked. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. So how many you. episodes are there? Seven. Seven. Yeah. Are they an about, hour each? They're about 40 minutes each. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Just that's I, doable in a whole day. Yeah. I ripped a bandaid off. Oh yeah. It was, I mean, it was intense. I have no interest though. My wife asked that's, me the other day, she said, Hey, do you want to start watching this? And I said, eh, don't really have an interest in this one. And that's fine. I just, I was the same way. But then I saw the first one. And I was just like, oh, my God. And then I understood Twitter and social media a little better because all the meme, everything <laughs> you see is Joe Exotic. I was talking to J.B. Bickerstaff last week about uh, Tiger King, and he said he watched the first three episodes and he said it was really entertaining. So there's now two people that have told me that it was really entertaining. Well, my word is definitely better. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the opposite. J- take JB's word over mine. No, no, no. Don't sell yourself short like that. All right. So you're number four. My number four is Criminal Minds. Ooh, good one. You know who else is binging that? Ante Zizic of the Cavs. Him and I All talked right. about it in the locker room a few different times, actually. Love um, it. I'm on, what season am I on now? I'm on 13. Season 13, my friend. It's just so fantastic because, again, that's like one of the series where the episodes that are centered on the characters themselves and what they have to deal with are the best ones. I like again, that's a show that I haven't watched like through and through, but you see it on um, different networks and so good. Yeah, and you can again. It's an epi- like, isn't that another one where you can just pick up and yes, there are storylines throughout, but like, isn't it yeah. basically just an episode by episode one? For sure, in some ways, but it yeah. would really be better if you started it from season one and watched all the way through because there is a storyline progression with the characters, and maybe you pick something up in in season, let's say twelve, at the end of season twelve, 
Um, and part of that went all the way back to season three or season four or something like that. And if you didn't watch season three or four, then you don't know the full, you don't feel the full effect of that one episode that they want you to feel. All right. All right. I like it. So you're thus far, you have love is blind and criminal minds. Yeah. You, you rhyme thus far. Yeah. You're going to sense a th- You're going to get sense a theme here on mine. You're going to sense a theme on mine, too, but that's fine. So Veep number five, Tiger King number four. Number three is something that I'm sure you've seen me talk about or seen people talk. I mean, curb your enthusiasm. It's it's the funniest. Like, it's just the most. Larry David, the, the type of humor, like, you have to enjoy this type of humor, and I get it. Like, some people don't like that kind of dry humor, and everybody just yeah. thinks Larry David is, like, the biggest asshole. But it's, it, is beyond, <laughs> it is beyond funny because, like, these are situations that you have definitely had play out in your life, and yes. he handles them completely the opposite of the way that you would handle them. <laughs> and it's just – and the repercussions are hilarious. Like, Jeff Green, Susie Green, I mean, it's, the whole thing is so funny. Um, J.B. Smoove comes in and, and is hilarious. Cheryl Hines. Um, rest in peace to Bob Einstein, who plays uh, uh, Marty Funkhauser. Uh, so it, the whole thing is just. And uh, shout out to Richard Lewis, who uh, who played uh, or who went to Ohio State. So I love you giving shout outs to these people that aren't ever going to listen to our podcast. Hey, he follows me on Twitter, so you never know. Oh, really? That's fascinating. Yeah, Richard Lewis. So you never know. Okay. Um, but I love the show. It's hilarious. Number, that's right. my number three. My number three is Blue Bloods. All right. I'm very much, as you see a trend here, with the exception yes. of my number five, I'm very much network TV guy. And that's okay. okay. I'm proud of it. All right. I like network TV, too. You know, and you know what? Are, you know, it's not going to make my list. But the shows that I've been watching a lot of are yep. um, uh, New Amsterdam. New Amsterdam's fantastic. Yes. That's one of our favorites. Yes. Yep. Love New Amsterdam. The Good Doctor. Uh, haven't gotten into that one yet. And The Resident. I the Resident's like, terrific. Yeah. They're and they're all like doctor. They're all like you know medically based, but they're all fantastic. Yeah. A Million Little Things is really good. Yes. I have watched. I have watched. I have watched every episode of A Million Little Things. I've watched every episode of um, This Is Us, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And it hits you in the emotions, man. Oh yeah. But yeah, a million little things is like really, really, really oh. interesting and good. Yes, but like I, it's not really binge worthy because they've what only had like a, two seasons or. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Um, but it is binge worthy because it's one of those shows that you just don't want to stop watching because you yeah. want to see how the next episode is going to go because of that carryover. That's true. I guess I base my binge worthy more so on like how many seasons there are. Like, if you really want to, like, you know go down a rabbit hole i get that <laughs> all right my number two the classic everybody goes to it but it it this show honestly helped me through some difficult times in my life like okay. it helped my mind to get away from some other things that were going on uh the office mm, uh, i can it, see that it's just it's one of those shows that like it kept it light for me and yeah. it made me laugh and like the character like michael scott is Michael Scott and Dwight Schroeder are obviously arguably two of the most iconic comic comedic characters in television history. Like yep. if, if you've watched the office, you know why, I mean, it's, you can, and you can roll through them pretty quick. It's not like you have to sit there and pay all this attention, but that's a show that definitely does have storylines and um, so you can follow them, but it's just the whole concept of like Dwight Schroeder owning a beef farm and Michael <laughs> Scott 
you know, being like this completely oblivious business manager. And you know what I, you know what I want to do that I have. What's that? Maybe maybe I'll do it now. Um, I want to watch The Office, the Ricky Gervais version, because that's where, isn't that where The Office was originated from? Was it like a spinoff of? I believe that? that's right. Yeah. Don't quote me on that, but I yeah. believe that's right. So I want to go and watch Ricky Gervais because I think he's pretty okay. hilarious too. That's my number two. By the way, coming up with five is really, really difficult because some of my favorite shows of all time didn't make the cut, which oh, yeah. pains me. Oh, yeah. um, my number two is Castle. It's a show that was on ABC. Oh, yeah. They yeah. replay it a lot on TNT. Is that Nathan Fillion? Yes, no? Nathan yeah, Fillion, okay. Stanakotic, or Cottage, probably. Okay. Um, it's no longer on. It's over with. But that's a show that I could watch start to finish and love every single second of it. So correct me if I'm wrong, it's about an author? It is about um, an author, uh, an author that like writes mystery novels and he helps out the NYPD um, solve these crimes because oh, his entire life is it. getting in, yeah. in the mind of a killer and how they would go about things and solving crime. So he helps the NYPD do that. And it's so good. So well written. I feel like the characters are great. They're um, some of them. Uh, I think all of them basically are there from. Well, no, not all of them. A majority of them are from beginning to end too. So that's great. All right, I love it. All right, my number one, to no surprise, uh, is Seinfeld. I mean, it's just <laughs> it, it's episode by episode. The show about nothing. The show about nothing. It's like, and most of mine are comedies because I love, I'm big, obviously I'm a, I just like to laugh and you like to laugh. Um, yep. I, and I, and I like, I like serious shows. Like I said, I watch a million little things. I watch, you know, all those shows, but like if I'm binging a show, like I don't like to think too much about it. Like if I, if I watch a show that's too serious and I have too many episodes, I'm like, have to stop. So like Seinfeld, yeah, the show about nothing, like the, the amount of random characters that never even make an appearance, like Bob Sacamano, Bob Sacamano and, just uh, uh, art vandalin, every like yeah. you know, it's just it's it's. I just think Jerry Seinfeld and like that whole crew, Elaine Bennis and um, George Costanza and Kramer. I mean, it's just that's an iconic cast, and they did it for what eleven seasons. And um, again, it's just like a show that everybody can relate to. And um, I don't know, it's so easy to watch. I love it. It's so funny. So, do Seinfeld, you have a one. favorite episode? Oh man, do I have a favorite episode? There are so many good ones. Yeah. Um, the Soup Nazi is probably the my Soup favorite. Soup Nazi one. is a great one. Yeah, that's a great one. Marine Biologist is Marine, really yep, good. Yep, where he pops it out. Oh man. <laughs> it's a Titleist. <laughs> yeah, he pulls that up, up from behind his ear. Like, you know what I do? I, I love the show so much. Like, I watch like the behind the scenes on YouTube, they have like behind the scenes of every episode. Yeah. So, like go and watch that and they were like they said they couldn't get through it what about the I, all right i think my favorite might be the one where george uh is like he does the opposite of everything he's thinking like everything that comes to his mind he does the opposite of it i think it's called the opposite oh is that right yeah and like basically every everything that comes to george's mind he does the like his um i, I forget like oh yeah i so remember ba- that he, he yes, lost it yeah. is called the yeah. opposite yeah it's the opposite he lost yeah. his job and um, so he's like, well, everything in my life has gone wrong. Like every instinct that I have is wrong. So I might just start doing the opposite of every instinct that I have. And sure enough, like he becomes the bad boy and he gets this like, girl to like him. And then he goes and gets the job. Like I, that was such a good episode. I love that one. Okay. 
What about you? My number one is Friday Night Lights. All right. Yeah, you mentioned that on previous podcast. Uh, previous podcast. I, I think it is the best TV series of all time. The best TV series of all time. I do. That is high praise. I know. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that is high praise. By the way, it got 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's big Nine, time. 97. 97. Wow. Well, According I mean, to the TV Guide, there is you, no finer or truer drama on network TV. <laughs> there you go. Is so like is there if you look up Rotten Tomatoes, is there like a grading system it, like that ranks like the top network Good TV question. of all time? Good question. Let me look that up. Yeah, look that up. So you can you can make your claim and then back it up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. ER is, ER is going to be like number or Mash or something is going to be like number one. <laughs> <laughs> I think Mash. I think Mash was honestly like the high i think it was the most watched of all time like maybe their finale was or something i don't know anyway kind of a weird tidbit trying to find top tv shows oh it's got like all the new ones and it's got the most popular right now Uh, top tv dramas right now i don't know what's that i'm telling you right now those shows that i mentioned a million little things this is us new amsterdam the good doctor i mean those are all they do a really good job. A lot of people really like Ozark, too. Oh, also, I, you know what was going to make my list but didn't? Modern What's Family. That? Modern Family was going to make my list. Never it, got into that one, Hayden. No, my dad watched a, that, but I never got into that. Well, there it, next next this Wednesday is a two-hour uh, finale. It's the, the show's finale. So. Oh, the series finale? Yeah, it's the series finale. It's over. I couldn't even fit Big Bang Theory on here, which, uh, oh, come on, it's we, fantastic. We, we could argue. We could argue that one for a while. No, I, I like it too. I like it too. The, so people, the people, there are some people that argue against it. it say that it's not funny without the laugh track. The only reason why you laugh is because there's a laugh track, and I don't buy that myself. But the critics will say that. Is so that could probably be up there. If, without a doubt. Yeah. Sheldon. Sheldon. Yeah. I, I like. I mean, Sheldon. Well, we'll we'll save our Kaylee Cuoco talk for another day. <laughs> that was good. We'll, we'll save it for another day. We're already over what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah, I fine. think we have a lot of time on our hands. Yeah, when it comes do. to podcast. So yeah, it's okay. It's all good. Did you find anything yet, or are you still looking? Or are you done looking? No, I'm looking, and it does it by year. I'm oh. I'm not finding all time. Okay. Maybe I don't know how to navigate Rotten Tomatoes as well as most people do. Well, you could Google it, I suppose, but I'm sure it's up there. I mean, I remember, I remember the show very, very well, and uh, it's got it's led to some big careers, it's led to some big things. So, oh yeah, there's no doubt about that. I don't think you're wrong about that. All right, well, this week we are actually going to try to get to two podcasts, right? We tried. Yes. I, I this week, I don't know if it's going to be Thursday, Friday, but we are going to try to get two podcasts in. So. Um, Maybe we can get the results of the best network TV series of all time <laughs> on the next podcast. But you're going to have a two for this week. Um, and like we said last week and like we say every week, we hope you're uh, hanging in there and hope we can provide you a little bit of levity during this uh, difficult time for a lot of people. So stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, we will be back with you on the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. Also, uh, maybe, Chris, on the next episode, we can uh, bring our friends of the show uh, 
on the subtext to uh, yes. get to get a couple questions in. So send your questions either to my subtext or to Chris's subtext. Again, you can reach us at subtext three ninety nine a month or a two week uh, free trial. You can see it on the Cleveland.com post that we will uh, post this podcast on. So if you're looking for the subtext, check it out on that page and you can become a friend of the show and get your questions to us uh, in that way. Chris, anything else from you? That's all, buddy. I'm done. I'm right. tapped out for today. All right. You're <laughs> tapped out. All right. Well, enjoy the rest of the day. I will talk to you later this week and uh, we'll have a twofer on the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. Have a good one, everybody. Take care.